Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. I want to examine um, one of the parables of Jesus, which is very common. It's a common parable about the kingdom of God. And uh, one of the very scriptures that the church have also used and propagating the doctrine of the rapture. And so I want us to examine that. We touched it briefly when we we're dealing with cast into our darkness. But I want us to go a little bit in details uh, together with one other scripture, which is the book of Proverbs. But we start mighty 25. Mighty 25. Is the parable of the ten virgins, which uh, you know very well, I'm sure. So, mighty 25, and we read from verse 1. Then we go to Proverbs chapter 9. We also read from verse 1 to 3 or so. I want to discuss these two scriptures together. 25, verse 1. Bible said, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. When he said then, you may probably have to look to see where it's coming from. You have to go back to chapter 24. Is that okay? Because he said then. So it's like a continuous discourse. Is that all right? He said, when you read, little words are very vital. If you have to truly understand scriptures. When you see and, and you see so, and you see then, you should be able to connect it to the previous chapter or verse to get insight into the mind of the speaker. So, however, let's go. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all, these, all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out, or are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. The door was shut. Afterward came also the agent, which is the, uh, the five foolish, saying, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said unto them, I know you not. Amen. Okay. 
Uh, the first question that I always ask in this passage, if we assume that this is what we call the rapture, then we'll have a problem in verse number 11. So look at verse 11. The Bible says in verse 10, those that were ready, they went in already together with the lamb to the marriage feast. Is that all right? Okay, but verse 11, the Bible now says, and the foolish ones came afterward and they were knocking on the door. So the question is, if this was the rapture, and the five wise men have already gone in, and that was supposed to be in heaven up, how did the foolish one come again knocking on the door? How did they get there? Are you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that alone will make us understand that this place or this passage is not talking about the rapture as the first thing. Because verse 1 expressly said, it's about the kingdom of God. Is that all right? Okay. There are some things we're going to be explaining. But let's move down to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9. Because these are the two passages I want us to do with. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit of some of the verses together. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. Wisdom had built her house. She had hewn out her seven pillars. She had mingled her wine. And she had also furnished her table. She had sent forth her maidens. And I want you to mark that in your Bible, maidens. She cried... Or cry it upon the high places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wandereth understanding, she said to him. Hallelujah. Okay. So this is a picture. The melding synonymous to virgins. That's why I want us to look at these two scriptures together. All right. So, the first part of it is they will turn virgins to a foolish, to a wise. And like we said, it's all about a kingdom. But we're going to begin to explain, because like here we find that it says, wisdom has builded her house. Okay? For us, first of all, to establish who is wisdom. Because here, wisdom is personified. So we need to first find out who is wisdom that has built her house. And what is the house that wisdom built? And then we are told here that she has sent forth her maidens. Is that all right? I'm sure you will not forget the illustration I give to you when it comes to uh, the Jewish tradition way of marriage as it were as a then. I don't know if it has changed. But I made you to understand that if I were to be the one getting married, the bridegroom, just like you have what you call, okay, how many of you remember I think John 2, you have the 
The story of the marriage fee where Jesus turned water and the wine. How many of you remember that? Good. So there you have what they call the governor of the feast, and there you have what the bridegroom himself. Is that all right? So the governor of the feast is more or less like what you do in your reception where you have uh, the chairman of the high table or whatever. Is that okay? Right. Now, the bridegroom, like I told you, in the Eastern culture, going by Mighty 25 again, majorly there are marriages or in terms of coming to consummate the marriage when they are putting things together, it's normally done in the night. So, when you hear or when you read in Matthew 25 and you said, at midnight there was a cry. He, he Jesus was illustrating with the tradition that was prevalent in the Jewish setting. Is that okay? So the marriage is in such a way that if I'm to get married now and um, I'm going to go take my wife, the point again is, remember, at midnight the cry was, go ye out to meet him. It means the bridegroom is coming. I am coming, assuming this is the place where my wife is, and I'm going to be coming now. Now there are virgins with their lambs, which is more or less what you call bridesmaid now. Is that okay? In the evening, line up the road. I made you to understand that before. Is that all right? Good. Now, the, the best man, which is like the friend of the bridegroom now. I'm going to make you see that from the issue of John the Baptist. Is a friend to the bridegroom. So now there's an announcement to say the bridegroom is now coming. It's like he's coming with his own train. Basically, it was in two settings. The, uh, the virgins have to be there the first time, and then the bridegroom is coming, then the eunuch follows. So you have the bridegroom, I mean the, the virgins, then you have the eunuch, all in a procession. Now, when they announce that the bridegroom is coming, we have to move out now to line up the road as the virgins now to go receive him. Now get this right. Again, we miss it in the church. If we said this is a rapture, then we've got a problem. The problem is, you don't receive the bridegroom to go back with him. Is that all right? I make you see that from Deuteronomy 22. When you read Deuteronomy 22, you can just write it down because I may not be able to go down there. But when you read Deuteronomy 22, um, just try to read it down. You're going to find out in terms of when a lady is betrothed to a man. Is that all right? Now something happens. If a lady is betrothed to a man, the day the lady is coming to take the man, this is what happens. A white best spread is used for the occasion. Now, by the next morning, the in-law or the bridegroom should be able to prove to the old city that the lady was a virgin. By reason of the stains that must be found. That means when the bridegroom comes, they consummate the marriage. Same day. Are you listening to me? Now, if there is no stain on the best spread, the in-law or the bridegroom goes out to the city elders and complains to them that my father-in-law have cheated me because she gave me a person who is not a virgin. That's what Virgin was so important as far as the Jewish council was concerned. So now, they go get the, the virgin and then they call the parents of this girl, whatever the case may be. In fact, the lady is supposed to be stoned to death. You just go read it, Jeremy 22. 
Is that okay? Now, the point I'm raising is, the bridegroom doesn't come to go back with the bride. So when the Bible says, go ye out to meet him, it has nothing to do with, go ye out to meet Christ and then be taken away. No. Christ is meant to come here and consume it, the relationship with us. That is why the scripture says, when the bridegroom came and the, those who were ready joined up with him, the door was shut. Did you get that? Did you follow it? Good. He didn't say he came and took the bride. He came and the door was shut. <laughs> and you see, when they came in, I'm going to explain that as well. But when they came in, the other foolish one came in and started knocking. You know the answer I gave? I knew you not. I knew you not doesn't mean I don't know you as a person. Doesn't mean I can't recognize you as a person. But I'm going to explain that. Because in, in Genesis chapter 4, the Bible made us to understand that Adam knew Eve and he got Cain. So when you say knew or know in the Bible, in relation to a man and a woman, it means they have a relationship. Does it make sense? So when he said, I knew you not, it simply means no union between us. That's what it means. So it's not saying, I knew you not, so I can't allow you to come in here. That's not what he's talking about. I have no relationship with you. No fellowship with you. You are not a bride to me. Is that all right? Okay. So um, let's start dealing first of all with the wisdom. But don't forget, it has to do with the bride and the bridegroom. And the setting we find there in Matthew 25 is that of a marriage feast. Does it make sense? Are we together? Okay. So now, Proverbs chapter, um, go to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's begin to find out who is wisdom that sent out her maidens. Wisdom that sent out her maidens, let's try to deal with that. First, let's try to find out. Bit by bit, uh, with wisdom. So because the Bible says wisdom cried, sent forth the maidens, my feast is prepared, you come, come and dine, and all that, and all that. Okay, Proverbs 20, I mean, uh, what is that? Proverbs 1 verse 20. Are you there? Wisdom cried without, that's outside, she uttered a voice in the streets. You can write down Proverbs 8 verse 1, Proverbs 9 verse 3. Just write it down, you check it up later. Verse 21. She cried in the chief place of the, of the concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttered her voice saying, How long, yes, simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my ways unto you. Because I have called, and you refuse. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay? I pour out my spirit. That will tell you something. Who is pouring out the spirit? Wisdom. Is that okay? And the Bible says, cry now to the people to come to him. Okay? John chapter 7. We're trying to locate who is wisdom. John 7, verse 37. Yeah, the scripture says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man test, let him come unto me and do what? And drink. 
If you have your books, you can write Isaiah 55 verse 1 there as well. Let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Now if you read the whole of that scripture, the Bible says, He said it because then the Holy Spirit has not yet been poured out. Is that okay? But Proverbs 8 is saying, Proverbs 1, 20 down, is saying, I poured out my spirit. Are you getting it? Okay. Now go to Proverbs chapter 8. We are still looking for who is wisdom. Because it's wisdom that sent out the maidens. What is supposed to be the bridesmaid or the virgins? Proverbs chapter 8 verse 1. It says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understand it put for her voice. She standeth in the top of high places by the way, in the places of the paths. Look at verse 22. Move to verse 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set off from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no foundations abiding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the feet, nor the high parts of the dust of the world. Question, who do you think is talking here? Amen. Remember the Bible says, is the fourth beginning of all things. In fact, the Bible says he has the preeminence in all things. And remember the Bible says it was in the beginning with God. John 1, 1. Is that all right? He was with the God, I mean, was God, he was the world from the beginning and so on and so forth. You just keep reading. And then you need to understand precisely what the Bible is telling us here. Jesus is being personified as wisdom. He was with God before any other thing was what? Created. Does it make sense? Are we together? Good. So when we say wisdom quiet, we're just talking about Jesus speaking forth like he did on the day of the great feast, and like he keep on sending his people, angel, I mean, um, uh, what I say, a prophet, to speak to the people about him. So wisdom is Christ. I'll show you one more scripture on that. New Testament, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Let's look at verse 16. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? Who is talking? Who is talking? Come on, are you there with me? Jesus is talking. Is that all right? Okay. It is like unto the children sitting in the marketplace and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and we have not danced. We have mulled unto you and you have not lamented. For John came thither, neither eating nor drinking. And they say he had the devil. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man glutonous and a white Bible. A friend of public ancient sinners. But look at that. Wisdom is justified of what? Good. So, who is wisdom? 
Christ. Are you there with me? But don't forget what we're dealing with. Wisdom cried, wisdom sent for her what? Her maidens. Is that all right? Okay. One more scripture on wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians 1. Look at verse 24. But unto them which are called both Jews and Christ, I mean and Greeks, Christ the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. Is that all right? Good. So, when we look at the proverb and said, wisdom cried, wisdom sent for the maidens, we know expressly from scripture that is describing who? Jesus Christ. Is that all right? Now, again, we read from that passage and said, wisdom has built her house. So again, let's try to find the house. Where is the house that wisdom built? Go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Look at verse 18 only. And I say also unto thee, thou Peter, and upon this rock I will do what? Build my church. And the gates of hell shall not do what? Prevail against it. Upon this rock I will build my church. Upon this rock means upon the revelation that thou art Christ, the son of the living God. I will be my church. Okay? Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're trying to find the house that wisdom built it. And again, the Bible made us understand in that Proverbs chapter 9 that he will run his seven pillars. We're going to look at his seven pillars as well. But here we like trying to locate first and foremost the house which he finally built with seven pillars. And what the seven pillars are? You like to know that? Okay. First Peter 2, verse number 5. Bible says, Ye are also lively stones and are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer our spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by who? By Jesus Christ. So question, which house is wisdom building? The church. Is that alright? Come on, are we together? That means you and I. Praise the living God. That is a house that is building. And uh, we're going to progress. Then I'll make you see the seven pillars that he has hewn to build this house. But number one that I want you to establish at the back of your mind is that this house that wisdom, which is Christ, is building is the church itself, which is you and I. Are we in agreement there? Okay. Let's make progress now. Let's jump back again to Matthew 25. Then we're going to deal with the virgins. I'm just going to be taking these two passages and picking out scriptures to explain. Then you put them together in your understanding. But let's go to virgins. Because number one, he said, there were ten virgins, five were foolish, five were wise. And I think it's important we try to discover these virgins. Because why it is important is, in Proverbs chapter 9, he sent forth his virgins, or the maidens. Is that all right? And sending a forth means he sent a forth to make proclamations. Okay? 
And I'm going to make you see why he used virgins or maidens in the book of Proverbs. Because, anyway, let me not jump the gun. Sorry. Okay, back to Matthew 25, verse number 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Is that all right? Okay, we want to deal with the word virgins. When we talk about virgins in scriptures, what does it really mean? Of course, we have just established the fact that in the early times, in Israel, it is basically virgins that are given out to marriage. Okay? And we can find that in the case of Joseph and Mary. And again, it was what is called betrothal. Is that all right? Are we together? I think what we call courtship today or relationship, as the case may be, the way we have it today is a Western culture. The biblical principle for two people coming together is betrothal. And in the sense of betrothal, the father or both parties or both parents are supposed to be aware of the relationship. Are you there with me? Parents of the girl should know, the parents of the boy should know. That is what we have in scriptures. Deuteronomy 22, you go study it. Um, one simpler translation. And again, you find that that is why the Bible wants us to understand that Joseph was intending to put away Mary because a virgin, you find that she was pregnant. Meaning, she's gone out of her way. They were betrothed. Remember that? Are you there with me? Okay. So it is betrothed that I will tell you have in scriptures. Okay. Now, we're dealing with virgins. What are virgins? As far as you and I is concerned, remember the house that is building is the church. And the people that is getting the people that is getting married to are virgins. Are you there? Mm-hmm. So now, now that is getting married to you and I, what does it mean? How are we supposed to be virgins for him to get married to us? Because he's not going to marry somebody who is not a virgin. Are you getting that? <laughs> Because all we're dealing with is a marriage situation. It's a marriage feast. Go out to meet him. If you got a bridegroom, come it. So we're talking about the bridegroom and the bride. And the bride must be a virgin. Now we've established the fact again that the church, which is the very wife that is coming to marry, must be a virgin. So how are we to be virgins for Jesus to get married to us? Are you there with me? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter number 11. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 11 verse number 1. This is what it says. I would to God, are you there together with me? I would to God they could be out with me a little in my folly. It's like saying my foolishness. And indeed, bear with me. For I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you what? As a chaste virgin to who? To Christ. So get it right. Christ is not going to marry somebody who is not a virgin. Now get the picture now. Paul is speaking to a church. Is that okay? Good. He's speaking to a church and he's saying, I've expanded you. Another way of saying is, I've betrothed you. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> I've betrothed you to Christ as a church virgin. In other words, it's like saying, I'm the best man. I've located the, 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 the virgin or the wife that my friend can marry. Similar thing you find with who? John the Baptist. We're going to read it later in John chapter 5. Or John chapter 3, right up. But let's move on. So here, Paul is saying, and he's speaking to a congregation, he's speaking to a whole church, and he said, I have betrothed you unto Christ as what? A chaste virgin. Okay, look at verse 3. But I fear, lest by enemies, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Praise the Lord. Okay, let me read it from the message. And you make it simpler for you. Will you put up with my foolish, with a little foolish inside, I mean aside from me? Please, just for a moment. The thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. That is the passion of God burning inside me. I promised your hand in marriage to Christ. Presented you as a pure virgin to her husband. And now I am afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with the smooth powder, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. Hallelujah. Good. So, what does it mean to be a virgin? Is to be pure unto who? Unto Christ. And what does it mean to be pure unto Christ? It's not to be divided or distracted or to be, how am I going to pull this now? Or to be, to be messed up in your thoughts <laughs> about Christ. In other words, anything that would take the allegiance of your simplicity in the sense of it is Christ and nothingness. Are you still there with me? Then you're no longer a virgin. When you can't come to trust him absolutely, when you can't come to believe, I mean, I'm trying to say this. You go back to what happened in the garden. What happened in the garden? Serpent came and said, is that okay? Now, it simply means they got another knowledge that was different from the original knowledge they got. And with that, they were corrupted. By implication, they were divergent. Come on. Is that okay? Good. In other words, when you begin to receive all the ministrations, all the knowledge, outside of the knowledge of Christ, somebody is taking the bride of Jesus. Are you there with me? When you allow yourself to be corrupted, by the teachings of men, the traditions of men, all manner of things going on, prophecies and whatever, you are just being messed up in your mind about who Christ is. Hallelujah. Okay, let's pursue it just a little bit. Mm. Praise the living God. Go to the book of Revelation 14. Revelation 14. See, dealing with the issue of being a virgin unto Christ. So the truth is, 
the very church of Jesus Christ today is being messed up by all manner of tradition, exactly the way it was or it did happen in the garden. That is what is going on today. A lot of people do not have absolute trust in Jesus. Somebody is getting the mind of the people corrupted. Are we there in Revelation 14? Let me look at verse 1. And the Bible says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him, and hundred and fourteen and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Father's name in the forehead. Uh, we still have a book, though it's not yet out in publication, but we have who are the one for the four thousand. Some of you have the materials, eh? Forehead speaks of the place of knowledge, place of wisdom. When your father's name is written in your forehead, it means you have the mind of Christ. You're just thinking Christ-like. It's not written Yahweh or Jehovah or anything there. Is that all right? Are you there with me? <laughs> I remember Fijiro were talking last week and they were writing exams and writing mathematics and he said, my fuse, I was just looking for my fuse, my fuse. I was, what's your fuse? You know, I was trying to remember something. My fuse was not there. I was looking at my fuse. So, that was the kind of thing. Your forehead is your, your, your capacity to think, and we're talking about ladies might be equal to us in Christ Jesus. Is that okay? Or, are you there with me? Verse number two. And I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harp as happened with the harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no one could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Now look at verse number four. These are they. Who are they? The one for the four. Which were not defiled with women. For they are what? Virgins. These are they which follow the line with us ever goeth. These were redeemed from amongst men, being what? The first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. Is it making sense? These are virgins. So what are virgins? Men who are pure in following the Lamb. Virgins unto the Lamb and gain the cell. They are what? The first fruits. Let's try to find the first fruit. James chapter 1. The first fruit equals the virgins. I'm sure even at this point, you're already beginning to understand what it means to be foolish and what it means to be wise. <laughs> Your mind should be reading now. Your mind should be, you know, capturing some of those scriptures even before I go there. If you are really a student of the Bible. You're already beginning to know what it means to be foolish and what it means to be wise. Okay, however, we'll go there much later, but here we go. James 1, verse 18. Looking for the first fruit. The first fruit equals what? Virgins. Am I right? Come on, are we together? Right. Look at verse 18. Of his own will begat us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruit of what? His creatures. How are we begotten? With the word of truth. Is that okay? Okay, let me take it from the message. It says, He brought us to life using the true words, showing us off as a crown of all his creatures. The true word. 
So now, just like we read in the book of Revelation 14, he said, these are they that follow the line without ever what? He goeth. And he said, they are not defiled by women. If I may ask a question, does he have to take literal women to defile a woman? Unless we're talking about lesbianism. That doesn't what he's talking about. Are you there with me? What's he dealing with? You should know that when we talk about women in the Bible, we're talking about a church. So the first fruit company, who are the virgins, the Bible is saying they are not corrupted by the tradition of the churches. Are you there with me? The church have not messed up these people. That's what he's saying. They are pure. As it were, the snake that spoke to Eve was like a church too. Mm. Giving revelation that is contrary to the original revelation they had. And that was the problem of Paul. That I'm beginning to be afraid with what I've given to you, have led you to Christ, I'm beginning to hear people coming to preach different messages unto you and so corrupting your mind from what you are supposed to believe. Now the identity of virgins are those who follow the lamb whether they go it. In other words, they cannot be dissuaded from following Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? And that's what is going on today. Now you watch your TV, watch all the programs on TV and you see exactly what the Bible is saying. How men are corrupting the very church of Jesus Christ. By all manner of doctrines, all manner of teachings that are going on. Their mind is very corrupted. We are people who are more afraid today to even live in their homes because they've been to one church or the other or because one prophet spoke a word or the other to them. No more faith in Christ. Hallelujah. So that's what we're dealing with. So when we're talking about veggies, we're not talking about some things that is going to happen tomorrow. And even if you take Matthew 24 to mean virgins in the literal sense, because people want to say, well, I believe the Bible exactly the way it is. You know, they, you know how they quote it to you? You must not add, you must not subtract. In other words, take it literally the way it is. It simply means only virgins will have to go through the rapture if we have to go that way too. Huh? Are we together here? So, that's what we're saying. So, even in your own mind, and even right now as I'm speaking to you, you need to check your mind. Are you still an espoused person to Christ, or you've been corrupted by the traditions of men? Three or four major things are the thing that destroys men. I'm going to teach that after some time. Maybe next year I'm going to start with that. Or the case may be. Philosophy of men, traditions of men, rudiments of this world. Right? These are the major, major concepts that destroys the Christ life that is in you. Now you need to find out what all of those things stands for. Hallelujah. So here we find some people who have been corrupted. But here in Revelation chapter 14, the Bible says the virgins are intact. By reason of the fact that they believe what Jesus said and they are standing by what he said. And the Bible is saying we are becoming, such group of persons are becoming false fruit. Is that okay? Unto who? Unto Christ. We stand standing by what he says. 
We are not shifting ground because somebody is having something very popular. We are not going to move because somebody has brought something new. But yet, Christ is not exhibited. Anything that will not put Christ where it belongs is another serpent in the garden. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Hallelujah. Okay, so I don't know. Time is almost gone again. It's crazy to watch. <laughs> but let's look at something. Maybe this will help us. Uh, I'm still dealing with the issue of the virgins. I want to mention there, I'm just taking some of the elements. And remember, I have always told you, I teach you this so that you can go and do diligent study for yourself. Now, I know from today, you are reading the Bible, you come across virgins, you know, be thinking of a girl of two years old or something like that. You should know you're talking about yourself. You should be able to find out if you're still a virgin unto Christ or not. Are you there with me? Good. All right. Let's look at just one word, maybe. Now, we'll be able to finish with that. Lamp and oil. The lamp and oil. The Bible said these virgins, they got lamp and oil. Is that okay? Okay. Matthew 25 again. Look at verse 3. They that were fully to their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Is that all right? We want to do with that. The lamp and the oil. What are they? Maybe it could be the olive oil they're selling. I don't know. So you need to go get some. Whatever it is. But let me try and see if I can find some oil and some lamp in the Bible. Is that okay? Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's try to find a lamp first. And then we'll get the oil for the lamp. Hallelujah. Are you there? Look at verse 105. Psalm 119, 105. What did it say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What is it? Thy word. Psalm 119, verse 105. Am I correct? Do you see there? Thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word. Okay. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. At the mouth of two or three witness shall every case be established. My, I mean Proverbs 6, 23. Are you there? For the commandment is what? A lamp. And the law is what? A light. And reproofs of instruction are the word of life. Hallelujah. The word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light on my path. Now if I'm beginning to ask you now, for instance, those who did not take the oil. <laughs> What is that supposed to be now? Hmm? What is it that they didn't have? They have the word, but they have no understanding of the word. No oil to bring revelation. So they were foolish people. <laughs> they 
They have lamb, but no oil. It takes the oil for you to understand the word. I'm going to prove that now. But first, look at John chapter 5. <laughs> Hallelujah. John chapter 5, verse 32. Jesus speaking says, There is another that bear a witness of me. And I know that the witness which he witness of me is true. He's talking about John. He sent unto John and about witness unto the truth. But I received no testimony from man, but these things I say that I might be saved. Verse 35. He was a burning and a shining light. And ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. So question, why was John a burning and a shining light? It takes lamp to burn, isn't it? Am I right? Good. You know you have to have your lamp, the type they used to carry, put your wick. How many of you know... <laughs> In those days, they used to have some kind of thing they sell. What do you call those things? Omokuru bear or whatever, you know. <laughs> With some wick on it, eh? Uh-huh. So, that's the kind of thing. Now, that is the type we use here. But over there is like an etin, uh stuff, and then you put your wick, and then you put your, your fire on it. So, the more oil you have, the more the thing burns. Is that okay? Now, the Bible is saying John himself was a burning lime. That means he was a lamp. Is that all right? Are you getting confused? Look at the Bible says. What did he say? You are a light set on a hill. Isn't it? A city set on a hill. You are a lamp. Did he say so? I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Did he say so? So John was a bunny and a shiny light. Why was he a bunny and a shiny light? It means he had oil. Based on something. So, but let me look at the scripture. Second Peter 1. Second Peter 1. I was just enjoying this stuff when I was looking at it. I got so tired. But I just can't stand up. A lot of things were just pouring in. Hmm? Okay. Second Peter 1. Look at verse 19. Now, this is Peter speaking in relation to um, what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? You need to go back, read it from maybe verse, uh, uh, if maybe from verse 10 or whatever, as the case maybe you can just, you do that later on your own. But he was making reference to what happened on the particular day when the Transfiguration took place and the voice that came, this my beloved son in whom and where please hear, hear him. Is that okay? That's what I was talking about. But I just want to pick from verse 19. Look at what he says. Um... We, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day shall arise in your hearts. Okay, let me take it from message. Very simple. And I'll read it uh, up to verse 21 in the message translation. Makes it very interesting for me. Look at it. We couldn't be more sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory, God's voice, 
the prophetic word was confirmed to us. You do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light you have in a dark time and wait for daybreak and the rising of the morning. Star in your hearts. Verse 20 says, The main thing to keep in mind here is that no prophecy of scripture is of a private opinion. Verse 21. And why? Because it's not something concocted in the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's word. So, how, how, the, how did Peter, I mean, John become a lamb? He got the understanding. Remember when he was baptized in the River Jordan. He said, I'm here baptizing because I have the instruction that the one that the Spirit will descend upon, he is a Christ. Is that okay? I'm baptizing to locate him. So he got a word of prophecy. So he was staying to locate the fulfillment of that prophecy. That was the purpose of his baptism. Are you getting that? So here, I remember, he also said, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. So he got revelation. He got understanding of who Christ is, how Christ was going to come, and not only that, he was going to locate Christ at the time of the water baptism. So it was a shining and a burning light because they got a prophetic word and it was staying with the prophetic word. Did you get that now? So what causes your life to burn? Prophetic entrance by implication, revelation of the word. If you can have a revelation of what you are reading, then you become a lamp. You are not only becoming a lamp, you are becoming a virgin. In other words, every virgin has a lamp and must have oil. Are you getting this? <laughs> okay, let me show you now. We still got some five minutes to go. Let me show you now. Second Corinthians 5. Very interesting here. Every virgin must have a lamp. And not to lay the lamp, you've got to go the oil. Without the oil, you are a foolish virgin. <laughs> Glory to God. In other words, you must come to the place of a personal revelation. In other words, again and again and again. Let me put it this way. When you read the book, you should be seeing Christ. Because the prophecy is about Christ. The revelation must be of Christ. Are you seeing that with me? Okay. 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 5. Are you there now? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. For we preach not ourselves by Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness... When did that commandment come? Let there be light, Genesis 1. Had command, had shined in our heart to give the light of what? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can you see that? The light shined in our heart to do what? To give the knowledge of the glory of God. John got the knowledge of the glory of God and was declaring it so he became a shining and a bonny lamb. Okay, verse number seven. But we have this treasure where? In earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I also like it a little bit better from the message. Can I read it? From the message. Look at what it says. Remember, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 now. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ the master. All we are is messengers 
errand runners. From Jesus for you. It started when God said, Light up the darkness. Glory to God. What will the virgins do? Trim the lamp. At midnight, they cry, Come, the bridegroom, come it. Trim the lamps. <laughs> to welcome him. In other words, their lamp will lighten up what? The darkness. And the Bible is saying, when the Bible said, God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of who? Of Christ. All bright and beautiful. Verse 7 says, if only you look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the, on a dark clay part of an ordinary lives. These to prevent anyone from confusing God's in what is it? In, what is it? Incomparable power with us. So, what am I trying to make you understand? The oil is the anointing, in quote, within us that causes us to know who Christ is. Is that okay? Okay. Let me just, let me just read another scripture along that line. Second Corinthians 1. And we're probably, hey, I was thinking we'll be able to go a little bit far tonight, but time is against us. But anyway, we'll be able to finish with this. Look at that. Second Corinthians 1. I'm reading from verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are here and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, verse 21. He which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is who? Is God. Who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit we are in our hearts. Okay. Turn very quickly to 1 John chapter 2. Because 1 John chapter 2. Very interesting. He who has anointed us is God. He who has oiled us is God. <laughs> to be able to read the word and see Christ and reveal him as virgins. <laughs> we are not reading to see crocodile, to see dooms. We are reading to see Christ glorified. Can I hear an amen? First John 2 verse 27. Look at what he's saying. But the anointing which you have received of him abided in you. And you need not that any man teach you but at the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And it's truth and it's no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall do what? Abide in him. Hallelujah. I want to say something about this one. The anointing in you teach you all things. You have no need for any man to teach you. What do you think John is talking about? If you have no need for any man to teach you because the anointing is already you, it simply means I don't have any reason to teach you. You don't have any reason to read into any preacher. And of course, I've had people who've gone into the airstream to say, well, that's exactly what Paul is, Peter, I mean, uh, John is saying. You don't have any need for anybody to teach you. You have the anointing within you. Can I explain what he's trying to say? It's this way. In this particular setting, you see, John was confronting 
a group of people called the Gnosis. The Gnosis or Gnosticism is the doctrine that says Christ is too pure to be a human being because everything arty is evil. Are you listening to me? So now John have told these people and then this group of people, the Gnosis came and tried to tell the people, you can believe that Christ came in the flesh. That is not possible because Christ is spirit, Christ is good, Christ is precious, he can contaminate himself with earthly things. So John is coming to say, listen to me. Because if you go back to John 16, 17, you hear Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and will bring to remembrance all things that I've taught you. How many of you remember that? Good. Now, so what he's saying is this. If you have actually followed our teaching before now, and the Holy Spirit is in you, no man can come and corrupt you from what you know. Are you getting that? Because if you think he says no man should teach you, then himself was not supposed to teach the people. But what he's saying is this. Don't allow any man to come and corrupt you. By implication, let what we've taught you before and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you and bring the contradiction. Let the Holy Spirit in you bring the judgment between what you are now receiving and what we've taught you before. By implication, the Holy Spirit can make you to avoid the Satan or the devil in the garden coming to corrupt your mind again. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means. The anointing in you will teach you what? All things. So what he's saying here now is, if you have the anointing, which is the oil, that must go with the lamp, which is the word. Are you getting that? By implication, if anybody is speaking to you, and you have the oil in you, you'll be able to know what is false and what is truth. Because that which surprised from Christ, which is supposed to be your husband, will be revealed to you because you have the lamp and you have the oil. Is that all right? Final scripture, Revelation 3, verse 18. And I will close for tonight. But are you getting anything from this? <laughs> the virgins. Revelation 3, 18. Now, this to the Laodicean church. I felt I was very rich and whatever. Laodicean was a very rich community. And Jesus was using the background of the city to speak to them. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of their nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with what? I serve that thou mayest see. Anoint thy eyes with I serve. I serve actually was a precious ointment in this community that was medically being used. And so Jesus is saying, you are neither hot nor cold. Laodicean church. I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you feel you are very rich. There was enough resources in that community. So we're using the background to speak to them. You know, when something is lukewarm, you can't really make use of it. If you drink lukewarm water, you, you can, if need be, if curry is not taken, you can spread it out. Is that okay? Lukewarm water, you can't use it to do anything very special. You can make Gary with it, you can whatever. So he say, you are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth. I can't use you. In other words, because you are lukewarm, you are not usable to me. 
Is that all right? Okay. Say, but I'm canceling you now to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know what? You have a lot of gold, right, in the community. But there is something better. Is that okay? Okay. And then you may clothe yourself that your nakedness may not be, be, be revealed as you can find in the, in the garden when Adam left the, 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 the position, the Bible said they were naked. Is that okay? Now God have to kill an animal and then clothe them up. After their effort in trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. Fig leaves is a religious symbol. And covering the righteousness with religious righteousness. That's fig leaf. Is that okay? And that is also the reason why Jesus has to cause the fig tree. God, why am I going this way? Okay, anyhow, that's the point. So here he's saying that you may anoint your eyes with eyesight that you may do what? See. Understanding will come to you. What does it mean to see? It means to understand. Except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What does it mean to see? You means you can understand what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is not something you see in the street. It's not a car somebody can drive. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're not born again, you cannot see. And here he says, if you don't have your eyes anointed, you can't see. Did you get it now? So what are we talking about? You have to be a virgin, but as you mean, you have to be what? Pure. Because you are bettered by the word of truth. So you have to stay with the truth. And for your lamp, which is the very word of God, to continue to be alive, you have to have enough oil in your vessel, which has to do with what? The anointing that enables you to break the scriptures. When you read, you should be able to understand. I pray for understanding for you in the name of Jesus Christ. For further information and message order, please call plus 234-803-4810869 or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net God bless you.